ICO Gear has outfitted over 10,000 bow hunters across the country, and we're continuing to raise the bar when it comes to bow hunting camo. New for the 23 season, we introduce our never-before-seen panel fabric system designed to be dead quiet along with our patent-pending bow hunting collar. ICO Gear. Features and function built for bow hunters by bow hunters. Learn more at asiogear.com. The climbing stick has finally gone metal-free. Our goal for the Carbon SS climbing sticks was to make them as light as possible without sacrificing durability. And we wanted to make them stack flush so they're compact for saddle hunters and tree stand hunters. The new aerospace carbon fiber technology allowed us to achieve ultralight weight specs and removed all moving parts and hardware for improved durability. The sticks also feature our patent-pending metal-free attachment method that makes setup easier, faster, and quieter. The Carbon SS climbing sticks are made right here in the USA and come with a five-year manufacturer's warranty. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. Welcome to Bear Bow Hunter Podcast with your host, Nate Bailey, where we look to the ancient paths of our hunting ancestors to guide our future, where woodsmanship and hard work outweigh advanced shooting devices, where we value those who have gone before us and welcome those who are yet to come. Join us as we exchange valuable insight about the Bear Bow Hunter's lifestyle. Here we are with another episode of Barebow Hunters Podcast, and today we have Jerry Goins with us because, and I'll get some more of the PBS guys on here, and I got some other people that want to get on, but uh, today we got Jerry with us because we're going elk hunting together. We both drew the same tag. What tag is that, Jerry? The Ochico Bull Only. Ochico Bull Only. And I just got back over there. I've been hunting the Ochico since I was just a little guy. My family actually started hunting over there when it came out of reserve. They had it in reserve uh, for a lot of years. And it, so that was in the 40s when my when my grandfather started hunting over there. Uh, not near the elk in there back then, but I just got back from there. And I am super excited because all five of my spots had elk in them. Wow. That'll work for me. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go ahead and give me the GPS coordinates now? Well, we're gonna, at some point, we're going to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point, I'm sure that's going to have to happen. But um, Not now. No, no. And, and I got Jerry on here. Jerry, for those of you who don't know, Jerry and I have been hunting together. We didn't, we didn't hunt elk together last year, but we uh, the two years before that, we hunted elk together, and both in the Cascades. And so basically what I'm getting – on here for is to kind of introduce the fact that we are going to be hunting together this year and uh we'll get several podcasts kind of getting uh our mind straight on what we're doing and kind of share it with everybody all the listeners on how we're getting prepared to hunt ochico and uh today basically i was going to talk about how much different the cascade elk hunting compared to eastern oregon is okay I've uh, I've hunted a few years in the Cascades, mostly with you. A couple of years when I was younger. Uh, actually, the first couple, first few years of bow hunting was in the Cascades, 
and uh, it's a whole different ball game than Eastern Oregon. Um, you know, being able to see is one thing. <laughs> Being yeah. able to walk uh, <laughs> without crawling over—I uh, mean, that hole you took me into two years ago was insane. Um, but yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll have a good time. But my yeah, my first experience with elk was in the Cascades uh, in 1986. My first year bow hunting, I had no idea what I was doing. I had a Larry Jones cassette tape on how to call elk. Um, and uh, I was voice bugling, trying to. And the very first day, mind you, I had never seen an elk before in my life in the wild. And I went out the ridge, and I heard a not just a twig, but a branch snap just down over the ridge. So I knelt down in some little pine trees and did a voice bugle. And when I think back on it, it was the bull calling cow bugle, although I had no idea what it was at the time. And this pretty good sized four by four came walking slowly in and stopped and just stood there less than 20 yards away from me. <laughs> and I'm on my knees looking up at this thing and I was in such awe at the sheer size. I didn't even I didn't even think to draw my bow and shoot as he turned to walk away. <laughs> it's like, holy cow, that's a big animal. So I voice bugled and he came back in again and I just repeated the same scenario. Uh, but uh, so that was my introduction to elk hunting. I, I had never, I didn't have anybody to teach me or, or anything. So it was kind of trial and error for a long time. Yeah, I, uh, I started calling him with my uncle. Uh, he started calling him way before we all hunted him with a bow. He, actually, my uncles never really did hunt him with a bow or hunt him during the rut, but they would love to get up in the woods and, and call him um, during the rut and call him in and then just kind of shoo him off. And so he, he one time we were deer hunting, and, you know, the first of October, they were still going pretty strong. And and uh, we were deer hunting over in Ochoco's, actually. In, in some of the places I'm going to take you, Jer. And, uh, nice. Called, yeah, yeah. And we called this uh, bull in, and I thought, man, you know, if, if this is how it is. And, and he came in within 20 yards. And uh, back then, my uncle was just using, like, a hot hot water heater tube, you know, those copper tubes. with. Oh, yeah. 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 And he just he just wound it up um, and, and then blew through it, and it kind of made a whistle, not really a, a call. And back in those days, it was a whole lot different than it is now. That was in the 80s, you know, the early right. 80s. So, um, but, uh, and then I've called a lot of, we called a lot of elk in before we ever hunted them. And then once I started hunting them, I hunted the Cascades. I didn't, I didn't, we called, I take that back. We did with my father when I was younger, we called a couple in. Um, one, my mom was with us and she, her and my sister and here we are calling this elk in, and he's coming across this field at us and they're freaking out. So they start climbing a tree <laughs> and they cut all that movement, climbing a tree and they were gone. <laughs> so, so I've been around a lot of bulls called in and, uh, and then of course I've called a ton in, in the Cascades in the last few years. Um, I've only shot one in the last few years. Uh, I've called a lot in for a lot of other people. 
and I've had my bow on my back and um, this year we're going to draw straws for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'll tell you, I, after a few years in the Cascades, that that's when uh, actually how I, how I got into this bowl was uh, my brother and I were going up to hunt and there was a couple of guys, they had a cow hanging in camp and they were breaking camp and leaving. And, uh, so when it came out that this was my first time ever, period, first day hunting elk of any kind of, with any weapon, um, he brought out his topo map and he said, there's a swamp here. There's a big six point back in here. We see some other bowls down here and here's the map and, uh, good luck. Uh, I run after that year, he became my hunting partner. Oh, cool. That's cool. And, uh, we spent a fair amount of time over in Eastern Oregon and that's when I started going, uh, you know, a couple of years over here. Then I went to Eastern Oregon and, and, uh, we had some good times over there. Uh, killed a couple of, a couple of elk and a bear. Um, but, uh, you know, I had actually given up elk hunting in, after the 2002 season (laughs) because not because I didn't want to hunt them, but because I got really tired of competing with ATVers behind closed gates where they weren't supposed to be. Yeah. I pick areas that that knew had closed gates, closed roads, and I could walk in there and, and hunt and not be disturbed, not be, have the elk be disturbed. Yeah. In yeah. fact, in one one bowl in there, I found there was a out of John Day. There was a, a main road down that bisected this bowl and half dozen uh, dirt roads off of it that were all uh, like that pummy dust. And you could walk very quietly down those roads. And four days in a row in that area, morning and evening. I managed to get within 50 yards of a, a huge five by five with cows, <laughs> but just couldn't get any closer than that 50 yards. Right, right. And knowing what I learned just last week from listening to uh, Joel Turner, I probably could have killed that bull the first day. Yeah. Because yeah. how I found him, I'd, I'd hit like a, just a hyper hot cow call from right. up on the ridge. And he would sound off and he would not shut up <laughs> and I could slip in on him. We nicknamed him the Senator just for that reason, because he'd never shut up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's but, the truth. <laughs> yeah. But, but the very next year there was a group of six ATVers in there and all those pummy, uh, dust roads. I mean, you know, you, you step in it and the dust flies up and right. Like talcum powder. Talcum powder. Uh, they were all hard packed, and what they had done is they'd cut the logs, the uprights for the gate, so they could just swing it out of the way. Yeah. And uh, after that, I I just you know that and a couple other instances, I just said you know what I'm done. It's too frustrating. I can't seem to go anywhere, and not run into these guys. Right. Um, so I didn't elk hunt until. You invited me to come down on elk hunt with you in what 2014? Right, right, yeah. I think, yeah, 
Yeah, and I was out scouting, getting getting stuff down for you, and uh, ended up shooting a bull. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh, that that was one thing that that uh, Joel actually, I started listening to a little bit. You know, actually, it was James Orr who says, "Hey, man, you need to listen to this." And and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." You know, I've heard a lot of guys talk about bugling and this and that, and I'm. And I've been around it a long time, and 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 I thought you know they were going to tell me some things that that I don't think work at all, and and uh, and one of those things is is when you bugle those long drawn out bugles, um, how much you could you could make make a move, you know, and right. Sounds like you're calling in your dog right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's, I don't know, my big dog must have came in and he, <laughs> he goes nuts. The little guy, he thinks he runs this place. But so anyhow, what what happened is, is um, I thought, you know, I thought, ah, you know, I've heard a lot of guys talk bugling and, and, and you've been with me, you, you know how I bugle. And, uh, yeah. and so when he started talking about putting those gurgles on the end and make, keeping it short and sweet. Now I didn't know a clue. I didn't have a clue as to why I was doing that and why it worked, but it does. And it's and it's the it's the bull calling cows bugle is what it was. And uh, you know we we I used to call them locator bugles where you'd step on top of the hill and then you you bugle those long bugles. And I did that for years. And then I chase them down and I just keep pushing them away. You know they thought I and then. I get closer and they'd act like they were going away. So I just really start grunting and getting mean and everything else. And then they were like, whatever. And they were out of there. Right. And well, that uh, happened to us. Yeah. That happened to us yeah. that day. Uh, we had that bull coming in and I was thinking back to when we were sneaking up, uh, you know, we were breaking sticks. Well, when we were, you couldn't help but break sticks as you walked. <laughs> and uh, I would hit that cow call once in a while. And we were within, all of a sudden, there's a cow staring at us, and we're like 80 yards away. And knowing what we know now, we probably could have called that bull in. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he would he would have came right after us. Well, another thing that we did on that bull, and we shouldn't have done, was we cow called way too much on him. And, right. Uh, you know, that's actually what got us busted. If you if you think about it, um, she came back and was checking us out, and then she left. He was still there when the rest of the cows left. Right, he was a, he was the last one to walk out, and yep. he was huge. <laughs> yeah. And there was there was no way he was, and and he was he wasn't going to leave those cows, but he really didn't want to leave. You know, yeah, he. I mean, he wasn't. They didn't scream out of there. They weren't that concerned, right. Right. but they didn't want to stick around and right. Right. talk. Well, I want to talk a little bit of differences between the Cascades and. The, and and why I decided to go east this year, um, we really haven't talked about it ourselves. Between ourselves, you're just like, yeah, I'll go along. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the biggest reason is, is you know, the last over the last couple of years, unless we're hunting the knob, but if we go into the hole, we're committed. You know, there is right, yeah, you're 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 in. And what happened to us? That what was it? Two thousand. 14 or 15 it was 2015 15. yeah what happened to us then was uh 
we were committed to these elk and we'd been into them four, four days in a row. Yes. And, uh, and then all of a sudden that last night, right before Gage got in with us that last night, um, we had some howling going on. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'd never seen so much elk sign in one place as in that, that bowl that we were in, uh, or as much water. Right. Uh, as, as there was in, I mean, they had everything they needed right there in that bowl, uh, including uh, seclusion. Right. Because we never saw another, we never saw another hunter. Uh, and, um, yep, those wolves uh, that uh, are, aren't, uh, well, we were told that there weren't any in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so we, we put all of our eggs in that basket basically is what we did, you know, and, and, right. I did, and, and I didn't want to get down to that again. I didn't, I didn't want to get us because that was a lot of work to get in and get out of there. Um, you know, I know how your back is and I know how much pain and suffering you went through. I don't feel sorry for your, your air mattress though, but the rest of it, I do feel sorry. for. <laughs> that air mattress is gone. <laughs> I took it back to Cabela's. <laughs> but uh, but anyhow, um, I knew how much it took us to get in there, and I yeah. knew how much it took out of you to, to hunt that. And actually, we have that all on film, by the way. And uh, it's going to be part of the v- film that we put together this year. I, I actually have two years' worth of film so that we're going to put together. But, uh, so what I, what I want to do is I want to get to a place where we don't have to be so committed. You know, if we, if we get out of elk in one spot, we can move to another. And I, I have several, several spots in Ochico's and there's a lot more, the density of elk is a lot more. That's great. That's yeah. Cause being committed like that, you go in and you're kind of stuck <laughs> just because of the sheer effort. Yeah. I mean, by the time we got out of there to your truck, yeah, um, you were done. I was done physically. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, remember you guys stopped the rest in the trail, and I kept going by you, yeah, because I, I knew I was thinking just one foot in front of the other, yeah. just keep going, just keep going, you know, because I knew if I stopped, I was toast. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I remember going home after that because I just right. didn't have any any juice left in me to. But granted, you know, I'd already been chasing mule deer right. for three days before uh, I got there. Well, and, and people got to realize, too, we were we were a long ways into the wilderness, and the blowdowns in there weren't just six-inch trees. <laughs> no. I don't know how many we crawled over that uh, were waist-high yeah, uh, or, or even higher and uh, just – it's is insane amount of blow down in there. Right, right. And it and it was yeah, just huge amounts of blow down and then the top end of the bowl, you know, we call it the hole, but the top end of that was steep and then it benches out and steep and benches out and then that's where the elk seemed to want to stay, which was probably two and a half miles from camp. And then camp was five miles in. So we were we were hoofing it every day really hard for yeah. a good week and you know, um, with the back, with the way you're, with the shape that your back's in, it was just pure grit and determination. And, and, uh, once those elk were gone, it was just a, such a letdown 
<laughs> it really was because with all that sign that we had in there, and, and we had what? I think we had three bulls bugling at one time. Yeah, we had two on the camera. Um, and so, yeah, it was a letdown. Uh, I, I was not feeling all warm and fuzzy about wolves. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we heard that. No. But uh, the eastern Oregon is just it's so much easier to get around. Right. I mean, yeah, it's it's bigger country. Right. Definitely bigger country. But being able to hear right. further, you know, and see further um, makes a big difference. And actually, it actually makes a big difference in enjoying the hunt when you're not just beating yourself up just trying to get through the woods. Right, right. One of the things, though, that goes along, and the reason I quit hunting eastern Oregon wasn't because it's a draw. You know, that it's it's a draw, but it's a draw about every two years. It's not a big draw. But the big thing was, is like you said, quads and uh yeah you know i i like i said i've been calling elk in over there since since early 80s and then the last few years that i'd hunted it um i'd be calling elk in and sure enough here comes a quad right in the middle of it and uh and, and i thought it was really messing things up back then and it could if the guy knew really knew what he was doing but um also my my uncles have been kind of coaching me a little bit and they told me hey just you know let the quad go by and then re start again you know he's he's probably not moving out of there unless he gets pushed so well we may have to put up with a little bit of that <laughs> well i'll make sure i got a couple of rubber blunts in my <laughs> quiver <there. laughs> but uh that that's the reason i quit is because there are a lot of roads over there um you know eastern oregon has a lot of roads in it in that right. area um, there, are, of course, there's some wilderness areas in there, but the wilderness in Ochicos is where everybody goes that draws that tag. So I don't go there. <laughs> I don't yeah, go to Black Canyon. There, it's not mine. No. Black Canyon? No, that's yeah. no. I looked at that on the map and just immediately just put a big X through it. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are several roads closed in there as well, but I don't know if that stops the quads. Yeah, it does. Um, the, the guys, I mean, there's a few guys that doesn't stop, but, uh, you know, and, and basically, hopefully we'll get some weather this year that keeps things cooler than it was last year, because most of the elk last year actually did start rutting in October, that second cycle. So, mm -hmm. um, you, we, you know, even though we, we called in, let me see, we called in two bulls, three bulls last year up on the knob, but, um, uh -huh. The, the second cycle, I got another friend that was hunting the northern end of that. And he he called in three during rifle season. So <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a little bit later. Um, so I got I got to tell you this one story about the Cascades. Um, you won't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Second year elk hunting, we were up behind Wikiup Dam, and the, getting ready to walk into this swampy area and we heard this god awful sound coming from the woods and it was like dude is that a sasquatch screaming or what you know, what is that you know and then after a while we, we saw this truck and he was putting around and he had a humongous stereo speaker strapped to the top <laughs> of his hood 
Oh, man. <laughs> and he was playing a tape or something through this speaker. And he pulled up and he, he got out of his truck. We were standing there and he was in a bright blue jumpsuit. I mean, <laughs> you know, like a Blue Angels pilot or something. And uh, I said, uh, what are you playing there? And he says, that's an elk bugle. And I said, no, no, that's, that's something being hurt really badly. He said, no, listen, now he was getting mad. And he played it again. And at the very end of this primal scream, <laughs> it, way in the background, you could hear an elk bugle. Oh, no way. <laughs> we said, okay. I wasn't going to argue with him. He was, he was so adamant that he was playing an elk bugle as he was driving around his truck with that speaker. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, road hunting and calling at the same time with the wrong call. That was definitely... I, uh... Sing. You know, I, I did the same thing. I've, we used to hunt it. I'll, I'll name it because I, I won't ever hunt there again. There's too many people hunt it now. But uh, a place called Huckleberry Mountain that's up in the Cascades. And it's right on the edge of the wilderness. And um, so this was like the 2000s. And uh, I used to hunt it a lot. And nobody else was up there. And we, I've, I called in a ton of elk in there. But one time I was, we had this, this, uh, bowl in there we called the 700 spur and it's got a really big cow trail up the middle of it and it's real you know you know how the cascades are they have that green big long you've seen them in my pictures the big long right. prairies and then the the lodge pull thickets at the edges and those kind of things yeah up but there yeah 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 you know how it is and uh so I, I sneak through this thing. I get up there all the time, you know, in the dark. And I, I start in and start calling my way in and about make it to the edge of the back end of it when it gets light. And uh, normally, you know, back then I could get I could get bolts to answer me before I was ready to set up on them. So I could get a pretty good idea of where they were and, and figure out what I needed to do. Well, a couple years in, you know, probably 2006 somewhere in there i uh got in there and i called a couple bulls in one of them i i just flabbergasted that i got him in and he was huge and i couldn't get a shot i well let's not say i couldn't get a shot i had that bull within 15 yards broadside walking for about 50 yards in front of me and i just sat there and watched him and i i remember distinctly going you know what? I have a tag. I could shoot that thing. And about that time was about the time that he had been there long enough. You know how they get. If they don't yeah. see another elk, they're gone. Well, that was about that time and he took off and I thought to myself, what in the world were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but this was a couple years later than that and I <clears throat> got to the top up there and I call and I call and I get a, a bull answering me and he's up above me still. So I, I know... I knew the area well enough to know that I had to go uphill and kind of wait him out a little bit until the, you know, once the sun comes up and warms that up, it'll start pushing that air up the hill. And so I go up through there and I, I get up on there and I'm waiting, you know, and it's about eight o'clock now. And I know it's going to have to be nine o'clock before I really make a move on this bull. Well, <clears throat> about eight 30, I'm a couple granola bars in, I hear coming down at the bottom of the hill and I hear it stop I hear it stop 
And I hear, and I hear, and this, it was like this for a half an hour until he finally got up there. And, and I, I let him call a couple times and I answered him back with a big bugle. And all of a sudden he just starts bugling and you don't hear that quad anymore. So I called him right straight to me. I wasn't going to go to him. <laughs> I figured, I figured if you're going to do that to me, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to walk down and meet you. I'm going to call you all the way up the hill to me. So right, I called, yeah. called him right up to me and I said, Hey man, um, elk don't ride quads. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say to that? Uh, he, 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 at first he didn't know what to say. And then I said, you know, it's what you're doing is not, you can't do that legally because it's just a cow trail. There is, there is no off-road vehicle trail coming in here. And he knew that. And, uh, of course he did. Yeah. And, and he, and he admitted to it. And, uh, I said, I don't know if you've heard bulls in here or or what, but you're never, ever, ever going to come in on one like that, you know? And, uh, you might maybe in some private ground somewhere. I don't know, but at least, at least where I'm at, even if the bull's still there, he's not going to talk to you. So yeah, that whole, yes. whole thing drives me nuts. I, it wasn't very long after that. I remember, um, backcountry hunters and anglers, you know, it was founded here in Eagle point, Oregon. Did you know that? No. Yeah. It was founded right here. And, and a lot of it was started because of all the people that were tearing up the BLM, um, trying to stop them from getting in there and, and tearing it up when, when it was really wet. Yeah. I had a similar thing happen to me that last year of Elking that I decided to quit when I watched a guy half my age <laughs> uh, behind one of those gates on his quad. And I decided, I went down in the creek bottom thinking, well, maybe, you know, these guys have pushed them all down there. And you get down the bottom, and then it's private land on the other side, and it's a guided operation. Right. But I'm coming back out, and I see this guy going up the road, and he stops at the creek crossing, and he doesn't even turn it off. He stands on the pegs, he bugles down into creek bottom, <laughs> he cups his ear to hear. And he listens for about 15 seconds, and then he starts putting back up the road. You know, it's like, ah, that's when I, I, I broke camp. I went yeah. back. And I gave it about three days in there. I couldn't find any fresh elk sign in, in an area where I always found fresh elk sign. Right. And right. could always get into elk. Right. And, um, right. and uh, yeah, I just, that's when I threw in the towel. So I, I'll just stick to blacktails and yeah, yeah. call it good. All right, well, we're at 30 minutes here, so I'm going to shift gears for just a couple minutes and kind of look forward instead of looking back. And and uh, we pretty much covered why we went into the wilderness, I think. I think we've covered that pretty well. But um, I would like to talk a little bit about some of the tactics that we're going to probably employ over what we did in the wilderness. You know, the wilderness, like I said, we were, um, once you're in there, you're, you're set. Uh, where we went if you're if you're packing a camp like we pack um and you know i know a lot of guys there's a there's a young guy that hunts the the wilderness area south of where we are north of where we were and mm-hmm. uh and he carries everything on his back and he'll just keep at it until he gets into a big group of them you know if there's if there's got to be more than one bull in the drainage for him to stop and uh he does pretty well 
he, he does real well doing that. Um, but, you know, and then he'll pick up and move if that's not the case. But that's extreme. That's a lot of time when you're talking uh, the Cascades. There's a lot of room up there. Right. Uh, you know, there, and the, the elk can be far and few in between. I mean, right, right, right. Um, and, you know, and, and the bulls themselves are different than the Rocky Mountain, or, yeah, than the Rocky Mountain. And they're different than Roosevelt's. You know, they're, they're a crossbreed. I don't, people tell me that they aren't, but they are. They're, they are a crossbreed between the two. Um, you know, big body and big antlered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and a little bit less, um, territorial. I, because once they get that drainage, man, they don't have to fight off anybody but like younger brother. <laughs> but um, because they are so scattered. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. There's not ten bulls in a bunch. There's three that they got to worry about, and they usually have their pecking order figured out. So uh, it's a, it's a little bit different strategies when you're hunting those guys, um, and you know you hope for two bulls that are pretty close together in in strength and size and age. That way they they kind of keep each other kind of jacked up. Um, but if there's if there's a big bull and a couple little ones, man that big bull doesn't really respond a whole lot to a lot. (laughs) So um, it's a little different when you're talking the Rocky mountains though, Uh, especially Ochico. You know, I've seen herds over there that were 40, 50 and had two or three bulls that were kept fighting for uh, a female that was coming into heat. So they, yeah, they never did get to the point of um, getting their pecking orders figured out. And uh, you know, I've had them in, in the Cascades. I've had a big herd where you'll have a big herd on camera, say July and August, beginning of August. Um, and, and you can tell what they're doing down there is they're kind of, and, and it's a huge herd and several herd sized bulls in it, you know, several um, full mature bulls. And then they just break up kind of like turkeys do. They break up and, and they go to their own separate drainages. Um, it's not so the case with, uh, Rocky Mountain or the, the Elk and Ochico. So I'm going to do things different. Um, I'm bringing a quad. No. <laughs> no. Join them, right? No, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jerry. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Uh, no. Um, basically what I, I know the area so well and I know where the elk like and I, there's certain pieces of ground that are magnets for them and things like that. But uh, we'll do a lot of night calling and get them figured out exactly where they're at, and uh, and then hit them in the morning. That's that's one thing I had decided to give a try. Um, that last year, I didn't pack up and go home. I I went over to the Grand and I found Roger hunting over there. And in the middle of the night, I could hear three different bulls bugling from my tent. Right. Right. And that was like the last night before I, you know, this season was over and I had to go. And, and I thought, you know what, I think the thing to do is get up, get dressed and just stay on that bull. Just listen to him and don't mess it up, but just keep him within earshot right? until daylight and then hunt him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I never, I never gave, you know, like I say, I, I quit after that and, and never really had a chance to 
to try it. Uh, but my this is just a theory on my part. I have absolutely nothing to back it up. But I think that over in the east where it's more open, the well, de- obviously the sound carries further, but I think the scent carries further too right. when a cow comes into estrus. And that may be why you see more bulls hanging around the herds right. uh, well, of cows. Yeah. And, well, another, another thing is too is there's a lot less elk ground over there. I mean, if you really think about it, there's a lot of ground. But there's a lot less wallows, you know, within within the same area, within the 10 square miles that will hunt over there compared to 10 square miles that I'll hunt in the Cascades, there'll only be one wallow. Really? Yeah. And and so in the Cascades, I mean, you know, in the bowl, how many wallows were in the bowl? There were like 12, oh, geez. Yeah. 13. And so they, they get congregated more in those spaces. Um, another thing is. Uh, it took us like four days to find the one they were actually using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. And they were using it pretty hard, man. Oh, man. But that's the night the wolves howled, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and we kind of got in the middle of them that morning. So it, they were already kind of getting caught on that there were predators in there after them. But, um, so with with the Ochicos and with Eastern Oregon or with the Rocky Mountains, you know, it the the key is uh, obviously is is to cover the ground and find the herd and um, you know it's the same thing with the Cascades, but the Cascades the key was is find all the drainages and hit every drainage. Whereas over there, I've I've actually hunted that over there where we were out of elk didn't have any elk sign in, and the next morning we're just covered in them. <laughs> they so, just move around a lot more. They move around a ton. Yeah, yeah. Um, and another thing, you know, is they when you get that many bulls, I don't think it's a difference between species. Um, a lot of people would say it is, but I don't think it is. I, I think actually what it is is, for one, you know, the elk could hear every other bull that's bugling within miles over there, whereas in the Cascades they can only hear, hear the few that are around them. You, you know, right. It, I was on one side of the uh, one side of the the bowl, and you're on the other side. And you couldn't even hear me bugling. No. You know, over in Ochico, I guarantee you, if I if I was to bugle a mile away, you could hear me in certain spots. You know, for sure. So, I think they stay jacked up longer. Then I don't think they're any meaner. I don't think that they're they're willing to come into calls anymore. I just think that they're jacked up longer because they can hear more. Right. Well, let's hope so. Well, I hope th- so. That's been the case. Uh, it's been a drought for me, the yeah. ape on my back, actually, that yeah. uh, I've had a lot of close encounters, but haven't actually put one on the ground. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, a huge, <laughs> huge frustration that I have. That, yeah. Being, being as good of a, Blacktail guy and caribou and all the stuff that you've hunted over the years, um, that that I know I know how important an elk is to you, and that's that's another reason. Honestly, I'll tell you, that's another reason I said, hey, let's let's put in for Ochico this year. Let's get over there, is because uh, I know that our chances. We won't be hunting the same bull all the time. That's that was my biggest concern. Well, that's kind of what we were doing. Oh, yeah. Four or the same couple of bulls, and um, 
I am looking forward to getting back to Eastern Oregon for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was just over there this weekend. Um, I had a family reunion over there and, uh, I, I rode my bike through all the places that we're going to hike through. So does that make you feel good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I, that I don't want to be hunting those holes. (laughs) You know, hunting has got to be, uh, it's got to be enjoyable. And it's not that I didn't enjoy my time hunting with you, but there were times during the week where, I'm thinking I'm really just not enjoying myself here. Right, right. This is uh, this is really hard. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we persevered. We covered a lot of ground, and right. And uh, I got around uh, a lot better than I thought I was going to, to be honest with you. And uh, this year will be even better. Yeah, you know, and I'm still. I got a couple of young ladies that are going to hunt the knob this year. So I'll probably be up there before we head over and when we get back. And, uh, you know, a couple of days after work, um, I got a couple of, couple of honey holes here that uh, I'll be able to hunt too. So I'm going to be hunting pretty hard elk season this year. Um, but I think that uh, we're doing the right move. And I th- in later podcasts, I think there's going to be a couple things um, I'm going to go over some of my gear that I'm going to change up compared to what I've done in the past. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think we'll go over a couple of those things. I think I'll go over some of the fitness stuff. Of course, it's going to be a little bit higher over there in some of those holes. Um, yeah. but I think it's kind of a neat thing. People will probably want to follow along and see, uh, how we do. And especially if, uh, we get a, get you a big bull down you know there's some big ones in ochicos every time every time i tell somebody i drew that tag they're like oh man there's some big bulls in there and i've seen some some amazingly big bulls well i guarantee you i'm not going to be picky no oh, no me neither. <laughs> first i'm not going to have a <laughs> yeah a small bull come by yeah. and go ah it's too small and not shoot at it um that's right. not going to happen so big bull would be awesome i mean who doesn't dream of killing a big bull right but that's just never been my uh, my style. My style has always been it's legal, it's close, right. it's you know right. going to get shot at. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this one up. It's kind of inter- introducing what we're doing. Um, it's it's actually kind of an introduction to a video that I'm trying to get together. That it's been a couple years in the making, and and uh, really that video is to to get your camouflage all bloody is what that video is <laughs> trying to do. Um, but we, we do have a lot of good video of the bowl of the bowl of, of the hole that, you know, I took you in and uh, we're going to move that along with what we do over in Ochico's. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be a year that you um, will never forget. Actually, the hole is probably a year, a year you'll never forget too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, right there. <laughs> I uh, I sold my uh, backpack after that trip. <laughs> no, I didn't. I sold it last year, but just uh, so you would never think you're going to do that again, huh? <laughs> um, no, there was uh, uh, no, nah, there was several reasons yeah. I sold it. Yeah, got a different pack that. Sure. Uh, the one I have now, I, I wouldn't be able to haul that kind of sure, 
sure. wait around, and that's kind of on purpose. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So anyhow, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about leave us with a little bit of what uh, the Och- what I'm expecting out of the Ochikos, and then we'll get off this thing, and then we'll pick it up uh, in a future podcast. All right. So yeah the the one is the one big thing that i'm expecting um that that one big reason that we went to Ochoa Coast rather than the cascades again is of course and i've already said it that we're going to be hunting more than one bull um the second thing is is i know where all the water is and and i'll tell you what there's no water in between those water sources it's not like the cascades cascades you you don't even need to worry about hunting water sources <laughs> Oh no, no! In the hole, I forget. Yeah. I don't know how many times we filled our bladders yeah. from different creeks, all within a couple square miles. Right, right. And cow calling will be to a minimum, uh, maybe to to operate. I'll tell you a little story, and and I learned this, and then listening to Joel, it was like, oh, I should have known, you know, because I've done it for years. I've chased a lot of bulls off cow calling over the years. Um, yeah. And Everything he said makes sense. Oh, total sense. After, you know, because it goes right alongside with my experience, you know, and I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. And I, and then he started saying, you know, you're chasing a lot of bulls off by cow calling. And I'm like, you're exactly right. Um, well, you're actually chasing the cows off and the bulls right. going with them. Right. Yeah. The lead cow of, of any herd is the, is the boss. She's the one until another cow comes into estrus and then that one's the boss. But <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, to a, to a bull, that's the, that's the way it goes. But, um, you know, and, and it plays real well the same year. I, I, 2014, the, when I killed that little bull that I killed, he, um, he was in that same bunch and I met them a week before, uh, I killed the, killed him. And, uh, I'd followed them for about, and cow called and followed them for about, oh, a good hour and a half. And finally, I had one of those cows come back to me and bark at me, like, get out of here, quit mm-hmm. it, knock it off. And that should have told me something right there. I was pushing those cows along all the way across that hill, did the exact same thing last year with cow calls. We did end up calling in a couple of the satellites, but um, the cows kept getting in between us and the big bull. There was one cow in particular, and we saw her like four times, and she, and she never did catch us, and we were always upwind of her, but she would always come back and get in between us and the big bull. And um, the times that I have called in bulls out of the group is bugling, and I've been talked out of it over the years because the guys I take hunting, they're like, oh, no, nobody bugles anymore. But uh, bugle is going to be a big part of this year. <laughs> right, and – when I look back on those four days that I spent with that big five by, yeah, um, when I would do the hyper hot cow call, I remember thinking, "This bull doesn't chuckle." Right. I I never heard him chuckle. So right. so it's a myth that all bulls chuckle. You know, at that time, I'm going. It's myth that all bulls chuckle, and um, now I know why. Yep. 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 And I've had him chuckle at me, um, but. I, I pretty much brought that on myself by getting in between them and the cows. Um, you know, they were at fighting stage by then, and it, and it was kind of nonchalant. Um, one of them in particular chuckled at me. I was walking up right through a muddy spot, and I didn't even call to him. He just heard me walk in, 
you know, you could hear me thump, thump, thump. And he, bugled, oh, yeah. he bugled at me and I just answered it with that come here cow call or yeah, come here cow bugle. And oh my goodness, he came running in. I, I couldn't get an arrow out of the quiver. He, he was on top of me that quick and, uh, you know, about 10 yards. <laughs> Satellite bull. No, no. It, I called the big one out of the herd. Oh uh, yeah. Cause he heard me walking in there and then he bugled at me when I was walking in and he, he gave me a, a, a bugle like, Hey, what are you doing? And kind of a, Ooh, Ooh. and, uh, and I just, I just gave him a short raspy ended bugle and I, I didn't, did, he came running. It scared the living tar out of me is what it did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, anyhow, this year, I'm going to, I hope they scare the living tar out of me right before I put the arrow in them. But um, exactly. All right. Let's get off of this thing. We've been on here okay. quite a ways. Um, so next time we come on, let's, let's kind of get a little bit more um, specific on, on the gear. And uh, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about our setups, our arrows, our broadheads and things like that. I think guys really want to know that stuff. They always ask me, you know, if you post a picture, what bow is that? You know, and, and uh, what are you using? What are you shooting for? You know your arrows and, and these kind of things. And and I think we'll go over a little bit of that. And I think we'll also go over um, how to expect what we expect, where we expect to find the elk. And I'll, and I'll tell you right now, I already know the answer to that over in Ochico, just because I've been doing it for so long over there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna hunt all my spots, you know. And and but I could I could kind of tell you um, why they're in the spots that they're in. So. And I, and I think, you know, I'm going to get a couple of the guys from PBS on here and, and then we'll get back on and do this. Again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the hunt. Looking forward to hearing uh, from the guys from PBS. Yeah, me too. me too. A lot of experience here. Yeah. Well, you're you're a PBS regular member as well. So, I mean, it's not like we don't have a PBS around here right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, thanks, Jerry. We'll uh, do this maybe next week or something sometime, huh? Okay. Yeah, whenever. Sounds good. All right. Have a good evening. All right. You too. We'll see you. See you later. Thanks for joining us for another installment of the Bearbow Hunter podcast. Remember, we couldn't even be talking about this stuff if it wasn't for our public land. So go and support the people that are protecting it. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and TRCP. Also, if you'd like to see more of Barebow Hunters, go to our Facebook group, go to our Instagram at Barebow Hunters, like us, and hashtag all of your photos with your Barebow goodness in them. Barebow Hunter. We have a website as well. You can go over there, check out the rest of the podcast. We have videos, we have t shirts and hats. Thanks again. Until then, shoot straight.